We're so glad you're here to listen to this week's sermon from Park Street Church. Park Street is a historic congregation located in the heart of Boston. But more than that, we're a community of people from all different backgrounds who believe and are united by the good news that Jesus is Lord. Visit us at parkstreet.org to learn about our community. Buenos dias. In typical Latin American fashion, I must begin bringing you greetings. So greetings from Western Theological Seminary in Holland, Michigan, where I teach, and greetings from Casa Adobe, the intentional Christian community to which my husband James and I belong in Costa Rica. I'm sure several of you have been to Costa Rica and enjoyed the sun-bathed beaches and the dramatic volcanoes. Costa Rica receives many tourists every year, but it's also receiving hundreds and thousands of refugees and migrants. So many that local authorities are alarmed and struggling to make space for them all. It does, however, continue opening its doors and seeking welcoming ways forward. Today's scripture readings pose some shocking invitations and point towards the fact that contrary to the ways of our world and often, sadly, to the church itself, in God's economy, there is space for all. We're going to engage these shocking invitations as a drama in three acts. So join me for act one, an invitation to return home. Deprivation, violence, uncertainty, hopelessness, these are conditions binding millions of people the world round today in Latin America and beyond. In this country, rising tribalism and extreme polarizations are ripping families and even churches apart. Not dissimilar were the conditions the people of Israel were enduring during their long exile in this foreign land of Babylon. However, in the midst of it all, they received good news. Into that reality comes a soothing invitation from God through the prophet Isaiah in what we know as Isaiah 55. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest of fare. The promise of abundant includes provision for all their needs and far more. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. God offers the tired, bedraggled people full life. God offers to covenant with them, to restore the relationship that was broken by their unwillingness to live out God's purposes. God is inviting them back 
into the intimate communion they had lost. God is calling them back home, back to their true identity as humans created in God's image. God is willing to forgive, to embrace, to start afresh. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and God will have mercy on them. Turn to our God, for God will freely pardon. Provision, restoration, forgiveness, all promises of goodness will bring celebration and worship, not only for people, but also for nature itself. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. To a people burdened by their condition, these words nourished hope. The day would come when their suffering would end. They would return to their land and their lives would be reconstructed to their previous glory. Creation itself, downtrodden as it was by war and drought, by disregard and irresponsible plunder, would be restored. Worship would burst forth. Now, this is Act One of the play. The invitation out of exile and into full life, a new, renewed, worshipful relationship with their creator, back to their creaturely identity. Chapter 56 of Isaiah takes us to Act 2, and this is the more shocking invitation. This chapter is part of a section written once the people of Israel are already back home, back in the land of Canaan. The reconstruction has begun, but the expected prosperity is slow in coming. People are still suffering, and they still stand in need of encouragement, and that is what they expect from the prophet. The first call is not surprising, nothing too new. Maintain justice. Do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand, and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the one who does this, the person who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it, and keeps their hands from doing any evil. After centuries of teaching, those that chose to are aware that their covenant with God demands following the commandments given by Moses. Not doing evil and keeping the Sabbath are unquestionable expressions of right religion. The law and the prophets had taught this for centuries. No huge surprise there, although it clearly was not easy to walk the talk. But nothing in their mindset prepared them for the next calls. Maintaining justice and doing what is right is not about right religious acts, but about right relations. And this pushes far beyond the barriers of comfort. Isaiah continues, let no foreigner who is bound to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let no eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. Foreigners, 
Hebrew tradition did acknowledge foreigners as special recipients of God's favor. Their law made provision for their care, ensuring, for example, that fruit and grain were left after reaping so that the poor, of whom the foreigners were the most vulnerable, could feed themselves. Israel's history, you'll remember, prominently included foreign women like Rahab and Ruth. However, foreigners were typically also excluded from worshiping God along with the Jewish people. They were not clean enough. They were other. So were eunuchs. By law, they were not allowed to join in public worship of God. Here, however, in the voice of the prophet, God issues these two shocking invitations. Not now to the usual expected insiders. Instead, God is inviting the outsiders, the ones traditionally excluded from fellowship, into full belonging as part of the worshiping community of believers. And God's promises to them are even more extravagant than to the usual insiders. Regarding eunuchs, suffered men weighed down by shame and rejection who will never bear children and whose name consequently will be lost, God says, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will endure forever. God addresses these nobodies and welcomes them into intimate communion with God's self. They too can step into God's covenant of life. God promises to grant these people discarded by society a name better than sons and daughters. To these people, who by not having descendants could easily be forgotten by future generation, God promises an everlasting name. Against all prejudice and exclusions, God affirms their dignity and intrinsic value. And God's outrageous invitation insists on addressing the other nobodies. Isaiah continues, and foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and hold fast to my covenant. These I will bring to my holy mountain, and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted at my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Although Jewish tradition allowed foreigners to become proselytes, that is, to confess the Lord of Israel as the one true God, they would never allow these outsiders to worship God along with them. They were marginalized by those who felt far superior. They were no more than second-class citizens. But God welcomes them and affirms that in God's house and in God's work in the world, there is room for all people who seek the Lord from all the nations. It is precisely this text that Jesus cites centuries later when he cleans out the temple in Jerusalem. The problem on that occasion is not 
simply that merchants have set up business in the temple and are probably exploiting the poor pilgrims who have traveled to Jerusalem by hiking up prices. What angers Jesus is that they have set up their stalls precisely in the patio of the Gentiles, in the area designed to welcome foreigners into God's presence. By doing so, they are depriving foreigners from access to worship and belonging. Jesus reminds everyone, my house is a house of prayer for all nations. He will not tolerate any attitudes or actions, personal or structural, that hinder access to the full life God intends for all people. Now we move on in closing to Act 3. Park Street, you and me and shocking invitations today. Clearly, this last act is ours to perform. In closing, a few questions may help us design the plot. First, might there be a sense in which you, we, are living today in some sort of exile, even in the midst of our relative prosperity and security, distanced from our Creator and overly absorbed in life-sapping preoccupations? Are we, personally or corporately, in need of hearing God's call home? Are you thirsty? for God's loving embrace to recover your true identity, the words of the prophet issue a clear invitation. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. Let them turn to the Lord, and God will have mercy on them. Turn to our God and God will freely pardon. God yearns to welcome each of us home. God yearns to welcome each of us home. But there is more. God also yearns to use our very arms to embrace those who no one else welcomes. This is part of our true vocation as God's people. Now, you better than I know who the eunuchs and the foreigners are in U.S. society today. You better than I know what barriers, personal and structural, were built historically and are still being built to exclude them from full belonging and real fellowship in the Christian community and U.S. society in general. You know, or do you, what is the church doing to remedy the centuries of exploitation, exclusion, degradation, and violation of most basic human rights suffered by the people who first inhabited these lands, of the people trafficked from Africa and forced into slavery, of the thousands driven from home and land today because of violence or global warming, do you know or do you care to know what injustices must be confessed and what steps must be taken 
in order that both here and around the world, the marginalized, the least privileged, the outsiders also have access to the full life God intends for all people. I could share with you what I see happening in Central America thanks to U.S. migratory policies and business interests and how the livelihoods, rights, and health of entire populations are being violated. And I'm sure you could cite to me, on the other hand, the variety of ministries, Park Street spearheads in the greater Boston area and abroad. But even so, necessary questions still remain. Who are the foreigners and eunuchs in Boston that God is calling you to invite in today? In what ways are you challenged to embrace them? What next steps will you take as ambassadors of God's expansive love? The ancient Israelites were called to not dwell on their own limitations and misfortunes, but to receive God's loving embrace and so recover their true identity. And in turn, they were challenged to step into their true vocation and embrace the most vulnerable among them. So may God grant us love, grace, and courage to make shocking invitations today and in the days to come. May we acknowledge in word and deed that there is space for all. And may we walk in justice so that everyone and everything may go out in joy and be led forth in peace. Amen.